now, it's Thursday Finance with Stephen Pritchard, Certified Practicing Accountant and Financial Advisor. Indeed, it is time for Thursday Finance. Good afternoon, Stephen. A big show. It's just you today going it's solo. Just ma- and you, Mark. You're here to help. I'm here. Well, you're yeah, but you're yeah. the one that's going to tell us how our money's going. I'm going to try and tell you how your money's <laughs> going, yes. And you're going to tell us how all those Easter eggs are gone. They're, oh, there's a few out there. Yeah, there's not, as, few. Ma- there's there's not a... as many as there used to be. I can no, I can, I can tell that, yes. Look, if you're in the building, if you want one to safe for the next hour, because we just can't get out of I don't know there's an hour supply left. That's not, that's not. So what we'll be talking about today, something very important, I reckon, for the school kids. Yeah, we're going to talk about teaching uh, children financial skills, um, because there seems to be a general lack of uh, of that skill, um, and people, you know, they leave, you know, they leave school, and then they... You know, the next thing they find themselves, they've run up this debt, and um, particularly with things like Afterpay and Zipco. Oh, and, yeah, that's the, yeah, new, uh, that's and, the new kid on the block, isn't uh, it? One, one of my partners was in it, uh, one of uh, Big W the other week, and apparently you can put Easter eggs on Afterpay. <laughs> he couldn't believe it. <laughs> well, eat now and buy <laughs> oh, it. Man, it's just ridiculous. I mean, you, you know, if you... you if you've got to, you know, if you've got to put Easter eggs on Afterpay, you shouldn't be buying them. <laughs> Take a look through some of the basic gear, the currency and commodities. Where are we sitting just out from Easter? Uh, we're sitting um, pretty much where we were the week before. And the week before that. And the, and the week, week before, before that. that. No, not much movement. Uh, they got, the gold price was 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 down 2.7% or $49.48 to $1,778.97 an ounce. Um, so, you know, that's that's a bit of a fall there. The copper price was down $72.48 a tonne to $9,015. $9,015 a tonne and the crude oil price broke $100 so it was up 81 cents a barrel to $100 and 19 cents a barrel. There's a surprise with the uh, Easter period coming up. The crude oil's <laughs> not there. Yeah, the crude oil, the, the retail price hasn't moved much though yet. Um, um, the US the US dollar, um, we, were, we were up uh, half a cent against US dollar to 71.75. Uh, the Great British Pound, we we're up 0.45 pence to 55.03 pence. Against the Euro, we were up uh, 0.2 pence to 63, 6.63.5 uh, Euro cents. And against the New Zealand dollar, we we're up 0.8 of a cent to $1.06. So the currency prices, there's no real substantial movement there. Uh, is that is that generally the norm around an Easter period or a, or oh, a Christmas? It's just generally. The, well, I mean, the currency doesn't move that much unless there's some major, a major thing happening. upset, you know. Um, you know, the, the last big movement when there was this $8 terms was when there was talk that China wasn't going to take Australian mm. coal anymore and the, the currency dropped. Um, but uh, it seems to have recovered from that. And and as we spoke before, the, the Great British Pound, which you, you would have thought would be falling with the BRICS issue, doesn't seem to be moving, and and neither does the the London Stock Exchange for that matter. So, uh, and on a exchanges, the ordinaries up. The all ordinaries was up fifty six point two for the week to six thousand three hundred fifty. Uh, the the S and P five hundred was up twelve point one points for the week to two thousand nine hundred and two thousand nine hundred, and the UK index was up fifty three point four to the week to 7,471 points. So there's no big changes around the equity market. And I think, I think things, are, things are pretty quiet. And then, of course, mm. Japan's on, was on 10 days holiday at the beginning of the month for the, for the change of the emperor. 
So be good if we got ten days holiday <laughs> around the election time, time. <laughs> or even if we change Governor General, we could get ten days holiday. Um, oh, no, I think well, let's stick with the original plan. Well, five yeah. days before the election, five days after. There's our uh, national holiday period. Well, that's every three years. I'll, I'll take it. Are you going to include state ones as well? Damn straight we are. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and councils. Uh, councils. Mm. Um, BHP um, was, was down a dollar thirty four on the week to thirty eight dollars thirty. Um, CBA was up three dollars and three cents to seventy three dollars and twenty nine, and NIB was uh, up eight cents to five dollars fifty two, and Telstra was up um, five cents to three dollars thirty six. There was an article in the um, one of the the newspapers this week that Telstra is the new. Uh, High-yielding income stock. So. It's finally happened. <laughs> well, I mean, that's what they're saying. That's what some analysts are saying. It might have been shorter news or something, but <laughs> time will tell. And uh, the fuel price hasn't basically moved much from last week. Dollar thirty-seven point two, and in Sydney, a dollar thirty-nine point one. Um, of course, the, the the when do you think the exit will start? To this afternoon or tomorrow? Probably from Sydney this afternoon. Well, we're, we're actually seeing it at the moment in oh, around yeah. Hexham and, and the terrace. So. Uh, the, the early the ones that were able to get away early, they got caught in it. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd know. And the diesel price is dollar forty nine point nine, which is up half a cent on last week. And the Sydney was a dollar forty seven point one. And of course, I think probably a lot of people are going to have um, some days off next. Well, you'll next find that, week. yeah, because Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday the, uh, the 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 working day. So a lot of folks have actually done that. Yeah, yeah I know a lot of places, people in our office are having Friday off. It wasn't. Tuesday and Wednesday wasn't that popular, surprisingly. No, fair, fair but Friday because you get a four days if you take the Friday. Up as exactly, well. mm. Stephen. All the big stories that are making uh, in news of the financial well, there's, there's markets. A, there's a few big stories. I mean, it's pretty quiet though coming up to Easter. Mate, I'm trying to sell it for you. I'm yeah, doing no, my best. I know, no, 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 it's no, my no, best. I mean, they're, 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 I think everyone. Uh, oh, there's no listed chocolate manufacturers anymore. No. Oh, well. No, they'd be doing all right. There is in the UK, but not here. Well, I reckon I'll find a chocolate story for you. Look, we're going to start, though, with paint. What's happening paint. with Dulux? Uh, Dulux, Dulux, Nippon, Nippon, uh, Nippon company in the from Japan, of course, has made a takeover offer for Dulux at $9.80 per share, valuing the company at $3.8 billion. So the board of Dulux have agreed to recommend that offer to shareholders. So unless unless there's a higher offer, um, I think Dulux is going to become a foreign company. Add that to the list of many, eh? A list of many. And I would have thought... Um, it's probably a high price because uh, Dulux is. I think. I think you know all this building activity. Everything's being painted. Dulux is the is the leading paint brand. So I, I would have thought the profits are probably at a cyclical high too. So they're, they're probably paying a reasonably high price for this. So therefore, that's why they've been recommended to. Oh uh, uh, yeah, to sell. It, might, it might come back in a few years. Um, and of uh, course, another takeover. Myob. Um, there, there was a, a takeover offer from. Um, KKR, which is a private equity firm. Uh, the shareholders voted on that yesterday and MYAB is now heading off to a uh, foreign-owned private equity firm as well. Jim, they've been around since, since oh, pretty yeah, much the I beginning, haven't is, they? I think this is the third private equity owner. Yeah, okay. so it'll be interesting to see how it comes out of that. Um, and what's happening with Graincorp? Graincorp, well... There was a there was a takeover offer for Grain Corp um, by a company called Long Term Asset Partners, um, and they made an offer uh, a few months ago. 
Grain Corps board initially didn't want to talk to them and then started to talk to them. But in the meantime, Grain Corp has started selling off um, a number of their assets. And the latest thing that's proposed to be sold is their malt business, which, uh, as people would know, is malts used to uh, make beer from hops. And Grain Corp's apparently the number three malt producer in the world. Well, that's pretty, that's, that's pretty that's a bit of a and, big, big uh, gun there. So they, they paid uh, $750 million for this malt business, I think, in 2009, and they're thinking they can sell it for as much as $2 billion, um, which is, I don't know what they're going to do with the money, probably hand it back to the shareholders, one would hope. And long-term asset partners have kind of said, well, you know, even if you sell that business, we're still interested in acquiring what's left of Grain Corp, so which would be the traditional um, um, silo business mm. and the, the grain, la- uh, the I suppose it's the grain loader, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. you would think grain so. Grain loader. Yeah, so the grain loader and all those silos around the country, uh, particularly in New South Wales, um, are generally owned by Grain Corp. And now we move on to Blackmores. <coughs> no, your favourite stock. Yeah, so what's happening with the... <coughs> well, Blackmores is, um, as, as we spoke about before, I mean, someone from Blackmores said we didn't see the Chinese coming and we didn't see them going and now... <coughs> now, Morris Blackmore, who's a bit of a... Marcus Blackmore, who's a bit of a character, came out yesterday and said they um, they shot <coughs> themselves in the foot um, and uh, what they need to do is re-engage with the Daegu traders in order to get them to start selling Blackmore's products in China. So the Daegu traders are these Chinese agents who go into their local uh, um, chemist warehouse and other places like that and take all the baby powder off, buy all the baby powder off the shelves and various... I'm sure you've seen them on the media, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they like a plague of locusts and strip the shop. And that's why, you know, at one stage, Coles and Woolworths and other people were limiting their tins yeah, of baby powder. Yeah, get two or three yeah, tins or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyhow, they buy stuff here and then ship it over to China and and um, make a great margin on that. So, apparently, they're not doing that with Blackmore with Blackmore's products anymore and Marcus thinks that they need to re-engage with them to get them to do that and get the profits back up. Fair enough. Well, we'll do it till it stops working, I guess. Now, energy always never too far from the news. We've got energy. To, yeah. Uh, so the Energy Users Association, which which seems to represent a lot of industrial users, have of, of, of made some comments on the gas. Um, and this is quite interesting because you've got uh, what 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 would you expect would be a. A free enterprise uh, private association now calling for the establishment by the government of the Commonwealth Gas Company to solve the energy energy crisis in in a high price of gas. Now, one of the issues we've got here is that the, the price of gas that's being sold to to industrial customers in Australia is approximately $11 a gigajoule. I think it's summer, is $11 a gigajoule. Now, what's being sold for export customers is about $5 a gigajoule. So we're selling the price to overseas customers about half the price that's being sold to the local manufacturers. Now, we, we all hear the, this story in terms of, of energy uh, more broadly. Why do we do this? What is the point of doing this? Um, and giving them a half a discount of fifty percent. Well, because that's the world price. Mm. They, I mean, they can't sell it. The exporting companies can't sell it for any more. Oh, I grant that. Yeah, you're not going to go to the world market and say, "Look, you can get it for, you know, fifty whatever." But we're going to sell it to you for a ton. But why do we? Why do we then penalise ourselves by selling it locally for twice? Well, the because price? because they're captive. Yeah. 
You I don't mean, have a choice. The, the, the industrial companies don't have a captive, and that's one of the reasons why mm-hmm. Incitec moved their, their um, fertiliser plant, which is a big gas consumer over the US because the energy prices was about half the price. So, so you know, what they're calling for, these energy users, is the Commonwealth Government to establish a gas company and force the prices down. I mean, it, it, it is wrong that... That the you know the gas price you can go and buy Australian gas in in China the gas consumer China gets the price cheaper than we do here in Australia and it's so big a difference there was a call there was a, a couple of companies were thinking of at one stage setting up a gas terminal in in Newcastle and importing the natural gas. From overseas. That probably went from Newcastle to well, China was, or wherever yeah, come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I didn't say. And, and selling it. I mean, it's just, just complete madness. And the Commonwealth needs to be stepping in and doing something. Yeah. I mean, they can easily stop it. Heaven forbid we should actually put a, a price, uh, like a, a, an actual set price on what you can sell energy for locally. Well, well, that's right. And the other thing, that, the other thing is that... Um, listeners need to be aware of is there's all these um, and this probably affects the Maurice these electricity companies or electricity retailers and they're offering you know someone sent me the thing the other day 30% discount and um, one hour, I think that was uh, Energy Australia uh, 20% discount someone else was saying and then you ask them a discount of what and what it is it's a discount of whatever price they determine <laughs> so so then you ask the next question have you got a comparison between say Energy Australia's price and AGL's price and and whatever, and they can't be produced. So, so what you need to be careful of is these discounts they're quoting is discounts of that company's price. And you may be that you might be getting a 30% discount off XYZ, mm. but you go to company Y and their price might be cheaper than the discounted price anyhow. So so if you're going to take the effort to, to have a look at this, you need to get your bill out. And you need what you need to do is get your last bill out Talk to the company you're thinking of and ask them to tell you how much you would pay. You need your last bill to quote yeah. your consumption. Yeah, so you go, to the, you, know, you go to the other mob and say, look, I used X amount right. of energy, they charged me $50. Oh, well, we would have charged you 40 that's for that. That's right. Don't, all this discount, and this is one of the things the government should be, you know, they talk about this free enterprise and competition. One, one of the things about competition from Economics 101 is you need to have knowledge of the market. So if the government wants to promote competition in the retail energy sector, what they need to do is bring in a law to say that this is the base price and all the discounts have to be quoted off that, not not mm. some price that someone's made up. <laughs> so if your base price is a dollar and the 30% discount comes off or the 20%, you know exactly how it compares to everyone else. Yeah, sounds like a lot of three-card Monty going yeah, on. Yeah, so you need, you need the bill... You need to ask them what you would have paid, like you said, and that's how you need to work it out. Stephen, a couple of other stories quickly. Uh, cochlear shares, they're on the rise. Yeah, cochlear shares went up 7%. Um, uh, cochlear produces these uh, hearing implants for the um, for deaf people. And it's, it was, came out of Australia. It's one of the leading technologies in the world. And one of the problems about the cochlear implants was that they weren't MRI compatible. So if anyone knows, MRIs are a diagnostic tool and what they use they take uh, uh, take a scan of you using um, uh, magnetic waves you know, this tunnel thing and of course uh, they're affected by metal and what actually happens is if you're going to if you're having an MRI and you've got metal in your body it actually heats up and um, particularly uh, people who've got tattoos um, the tattoo ink will heat up and give you third degree burns 
Ouch. Yeah, so, so of course, you can imagine what a cochlear implant was doing if you went into an MRI mm. machine. So what they've done is they've That's a it. problem if you're, if you're fully tatted up and then you need yeah. a scan. Yeah, if you go for an MRI, there's a question on there now. There wasn't used to be, but the last two years that question's there and if you have a look on the internet if some people have got horrendous burns because some of the tattoo ink apparently contains iron and it goes in the MRI and heats up but anyhow and and um and uh, cochlear has now invented an MRI compatible cochlear implant mm. so the share price went up seven percent so so that that means that people who've got the the new cochlear implant will still be able to use the MRI machine for any other diagnostic uh, Issues and and there's a general trend to use MRI machines because they're they're supposed to be safer than the the kind of the CT scan which can expose you to radiation and MRI. So if there's a choice to use uh, CT or MRI, a lot of people are using MRI scans now. But if you've got cochlear implants and you've got other metal in your body from you know even welding or uh, implant mm -hmm. um, some artificial implants, there's there's issues about MRIs and that's why there's a big Question. But in 1992, in high school, I got, and this is a true story, I got stabbed by a girl with a lead pencil. There's still a little tiniest yeah. piece of lead in there. Should I worry about that, you reckon? Well, that's the it's question I've seen is metal. I don't know if the lead pencil's metal. Lead, uh, the lead, lead, that's lead's metal. That's graphite, isn't it? Well, I think the easiest way is to put it on the questionnaire <laughs> on and the let question. the technician decide. I don't know. We'll have a look at that a bit later. But I do know there is concern about MRIs, about mm. tattoos, and you know, mm. even one woman I saw a picture of forgotten she had her eyebrows tattooed. Oh, how you could forget it. And she got third-degree burns across her. Ouch. Well, they'd be more prominent than when she went in. Yeah, well, they were. I saw it. They were bright red. Um, and and now we're getting on to Afterpay. <laughs> and Afterpay, because as we spoke to you, apparently you can buy your Easter eggs on Afterpay. Um, there's been some concerns raised about Afterpay's lack of disclosure. Apparently they've set up a subsidiary in the uh, US to uh, sell Afterpay services in the US, and there's issues or concerns about who actually may own this subsidiary. So uh, a number of investors have been, Afterpay have been raising this issue, and uh, the company hasn't responded. Okay. Well, chooses not to respond for whatever reason. Well, watch that with some interest. Good afternoon, Peter. You've got a question for Stephen Pritchard today about MyOB, MYOB. Good afternoon. I, um, I've got a portfolio of some uh, of properties. I used to do the accounts by hand, and my accountant put me on to my old first accounts. Yep. Um, that, um, that went out of date, and I have to upgrade to my old, um, is it 19? Oh, probably. But what I'm, what I'm finding now is that they're, uh, <coughs> I go online, or it automatically goes online to check my, um, check the accounts, and uh, it wouldn't go through. I had to ring my old, and I, I explained the situation that I'm only a small um, businessman, um, but they said, we're not going to support that for much longer. We will give you a bit of an extra time, but then you'll have to buy another package. Yeah. Um, uh, it, it's just, to me, it's just a money-making concern. The first accounts did all I wanted to do. Um, is there another accounting system? Or oh, look, you, look you, you need to go and get advice of your accountant on that. There's lots of accounting software available, yeah. but I will say that there is a general trend in accounting software that they're moving to this, and it's not only accounting software, um, 
generally software. They're moving to this thing called uh, software out of service. Yeah. And um, basically, you're going to be paying and paying and paying. So I understand that Microsoft 2019 is the last version you're going to be able to buy. And after that, it's, it's going to be uh, Microsoft 360, and you're going to have to pay monthly subscriptions. So MyLab's yeah. no longer going to support their old version after a certain date and you're going to have to move on to this subscription model. So basically you're right, these old software packages that, you know, you used to buy and they kept on working and working, that produced no further revenue for the company oh. um, and so they're, they're basically going to cease support of those um, and uh, you're going to have to subscribe for these uh, ongoing software to services so it's not it's not just Maya but it's other it's other packages out there as well as going down that route but you know the best person to talk to is your accountant to see what software he wants to use yeah well he, he's uh, got his business up for sale so um, when he sells I'll have to go to find someone else but I, I don't want to go paying on and on monthly I don't make that much money well, um, I think I think you're going to find that's that's what all the mainstream packages are uh, looking at doing. Stephen, we're talking uh, teaching children financial skills. So I guess you can get those habits set up for life. Why is it important to start the teaching of finances to kids early? Well, I mean, you see it time and time again. You know, the, 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 the children go through school, they leave work, they leave school, get their first job, they go out and get a credit card. They go and get an afterpay, and the next thing they've run up debts of ten thousand dollars or something, and and it's easy to do. It's probably mm. easy to do, and they and they don't they don't know how they've done it, and then their credit card rating gets um, yeah, it gets slammed. And they get you know summonses for non-payments of debt. So so it's important, I think, to start off teaching children how to handle money and 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 get some concept of 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 what money is and 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 know how to manage it. So, I mean, I think the first thing you need to start is, is teaching children some practical um, everyday skills like, at, you know, at the ATM, at the supermarket, paying bills, um, doing a budget, giving them some pocket money and say, you know, giving them some pocket money and say this much mm -hmm. needs to be put aside for, 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 for saving and this much can be spent. But, you know, if you want, you want to buy a new game, it's going to take you five weeks or whatever it is, a new video game or five weeks or ten weeks to save up and teach them to put aside to do that. Some of the, the, the little kids in our family, we sort of, they get sort of taught that and, and when they get money for birthdays or little pocket money for doing little jobs, it's like, hey, you can go and spend it on some lollies now if you want, but remember that thing you wanted to buy, like if you put that with this money and you do something next week and the week after, uh, you can see the value uh, over time of of the, like you said, if it's a new game, whatever, by saving, and you get that seed planted pretty early. That's right. You need to do that early. I mean, I mean it's all about trade-offs, about what you need and what you want. I mean, the needs are things you need to buy and want. Some, and a lot of things, a lot of things that people say they need are really wants. I mean, they they, they might they might need a new dress, 
Um, but, you know, they, they go to the wardrobe and it's full of new dresses. So. <laughs> yeah, but they were worn for those one night. Yeah, that's right, mate. So they don't really need a new dress. They want a new dress. And there's probably dresses or, or clothes in there um, that, that, as you said, have been worn once and, and, and they really don't need that. They, they want it. And they need to think about, you know, setting some goals. Does the kid want a video game or does he want to go and see some movie or does he want to go to some sporting event? You know, it, they need to be taught that the, the pocket money needs to be saved and, and, and to, use, to, to use that instead of going and spending it all in one go. Another place where a lot of teaching does take place is the schools and we don't really see a lot of uh, money stuff taught at schools. I've I've had this theory. I've had, and we've talked about this with our education professional a lot too. I think that a lot of the things that that are life things, everyday things, should be taught in school. Things like um, you know car maintenance, things like even things like cooking, because we're all going to eat, we're going to drive a car, and we're all going to deal with money and tax and and getting a job, all that sort of stuff. Stephen, we should be into it at school. Yeah, I mean that's right. I mean there, there probably is a call for some more practical skills to be taught in school as in instead of the some things that but that but but I think they actually seem to be going the other way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So there probably should be a subject on, on budgeting and money management in school. I know when I was at school that was never that was never taught and I don't recall my son mentioning it either. Well so, you would have made him go to those classes, mate, if, he, yeah, if there was I there. Don't remember <laughs> him. So, uh, so so how how young would you like to get some of this stuff to Well I think, you know, what once once a child's, you know, six or seven, they, they you know, they need to start, they, 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 they're probably young enough to start to get the concept of money. I mean, they've got, they've got $3 or whatever or $2 and, you know, they can buy, a, well, probably not now, it's probably $5. Um, you can, you can you, it's just like, like you can buy a fruit juice or a, a, an ice cream or a lolly or a chocolate or something, but you can't buy all of them. So, mm. you know, they've got, you've got to teach them to make decisions instead of they, you know, they go to the movies and they want to, you know, they want a popcorn and a drink and an ice cream instead of just giving them the extra money to buy the lot. You need to make sure, well, this is how much you've got to spend and you have to decide how much, which one you want. You're dead right. I, I could, all while you're mentioning that, I'm thinking thinking back going to the school canteen. You go through the pocket and you're like, well, I'd like a, a pie and ice cream and a drink. I've only got enough money for two of them. And That's uh, right. it, it starts to get there at school. Um, apart from that as well, uh, is there a time where we should start thinking for parents and grandparents and carers to start thinking about saving for their child's future? Look, I mean, one of the things that, that people often underappreciate is the magic of compounding interest. I mean, the more money you save earlier the more you're going to end up with and and that's just through the function of you know compounding and i did bring some numbers in on this little brochure we put together at one stage so so if you for example if you started you you put a thousand dollars in an account when your child was was born and then you added another hundred dollars a month until they were 18 uh, at the end of that time you would have had twenty two thousand five hundred dollars in the account Right, but if you if you instead of just putting that money in and you invested that money instead of just putting in a no interest account and you invested that money at say six percent, um, at the end of eighteen you'd have forty one thousand five hundred and seventy two dollars. Mm. So there. basically, so put a times two next to it. You put a times yeah. two in it, yeah. yeah. So and that's all just come from the effect of compounding the money up. Mm. And, in, and you mentioned six percent. I know that now we we look at that and think, wow, that's 
oh, who's getting six percent? But over time, that's a pretty uh, average. Yeah, over time, you know, the, the, you know, the long term return mm. on the the equity markets <clears throat> probably eight percent. So there's ways you can get six percent if you're going to. And you we're talking about long term investment. There's a few share funds around. You could you could save up two thousand dollars and start. $2,000 and then put the $100 a month into that and you'll get 6% over the longer term. What do you reckon some of the bigger mistakes are that we're making with when you've got kids in, in terms of them get seeing as an example when it comes to money? Well, I think that one of the biggest mistakes is is that, that the kids don't get some money of their own to spend, you know, to, to decide how they're going to spend it themselves. Um, and I think, you know, that Sometimes parents, you know, we all want to give our kids the best, but sometimes, you know, little Johnny comes home or little Sarah comes home and someone else has got this new toy and then the parents are pressured and they go out and buy that new toy instead of saying, well, you know, you've got your pocket money, you know, save so much, or even say to them, you know, you save your $5 a week or whatever and I'll match it at the end of... Yeah, mm. so and give them an incentive instead of just going out and buy the thing. I think that's a big problem. I tell you what, you're right because I mean every parent has to keep up with the Joneses, and oh. they've all got uh, the birthday parties, and and everyone's got to do better than the one that the kid down the road had. And again, I don't know if this is a generational thing, but it it seems to be a lot more amplified now than when I when we were having parties as kids. Oh, well, I remember when, when Lachlan was, was, was about 10, someone had their 10th birthday party at one of the big hotels in town. <laughs> I'm serious. Uh, you know. For a bunch of 10-year-old kids. Yeah, a bunch of 10-year-old kids. It might have even been eight. It was quite young, and I'm thinking, well, we had the birthday party in the backyard with the, <laughs> with the barbecue, and everyone enjoyed that. And probably had a better time. That's right. So you're right. There's this, this keeping up, um, you know, and gets back to what's needed and what's wanted. Mm. And, you know, a lot of things, uh, there's a lot of money wasted I think on things that you you buy because you want and then you know a month later you don't want them yeah uh, so you need to look at what you actually need and then the the rest is the wants and that's the discretionary stuff that you need to plan for and you know and I, I think you know this 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 mentality like you know we spoke about after pay and there's other companies like that where you can just go in and buy the stuff mm. and pay later you know even down to your easter eggs I, I i think this is all going to lead to problems down the track mm. very sad and we end up uh, with people who can't control money well then, that's, that's yeah. right you know there's huge stats on 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 people on, on you know 18 and 21 year olds run up these big telco bills they've run up the the store account bills and and and, and things like that and they've got just no chance of paying them back all righty mate you're off uh, for a bit of a holiday so you won't be here next week for anzac day no. st- you're heading to the beach mate get to get a tan yeah, something like that i don't forget a tan it's a bit cool isn't it <laughs> oh there's a bit of sunshine out oh, oh well there was oh, a bit of sunshine it's gone okay all right a great uh, thursday finance with Stephen pritchard we'll be back in a couple of weeks thanks for listening to this podcast from 2nurfm at the university of newcastle topics range from gardening to health well-being pet care finance business and travel You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.